Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt, and excited to have you here for another episode where we bring you the best practices for your practice. And as you know, we are creeping up on that 100th episode, and that's completely due to you. Thank you so much for being uh, great listeners and sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And today we have a really cool occasion because we have to talk to another person in the dental field, but also somebody who is not a dentist, but is highly, highly influential in the dental world with his DSOs, with his uh, National Dental Partners Group. And our guest today is Emmett Scott on the line. Oh. Emmett, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. Oh, I'm excited to have you because number one, you're like me. You're not the you're you're not the uh, what's it the the thing that you work with, right? I'm not an orthodontist, and I work with a ton of orthodontists. You're not a dentist, and you work with dentists, and you've actually been able to create a, an amazing business, an amazing opportunity. You have a podcast, you have a DSO, you have a lot going on. But before we get into all that, one of the things we do on this show is we always start with your story because I believe stories connect everyone. So tell us quickly, what is your story? How did you get into this world? And uh, maybe what do you like best about it? Yeah, so I'm gonna try to do a short version here, go into financial planning. I'm working with uh, people in financial planning. Wow. I realize a lot of them are entrepreneurs and they're making investments because they don't know how to scale their business. That's what I reduce it down. Now this takes years and years for me to figure out. And I start helping them scale their business and I realize I have a knack for, taking entrepreneurs and turning them into executives. We always think of like working in the business versus on the business, yes. working chair side versus working on the practice. But the thing is, as you know, Dino, when do you get working on the business, there's a lot of different things now to solve, you know, marketing, compliance, IT, all those different things. And so how do you start scaling that? And, and entrepreneurship, a lot of people think of it as kind of the end game when really it's the transition game. And so I started a um, consulting company called The Entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur advisors and a radio show called the entrepreneur life out in Vegas. And that's what I was doing when, uh, Dr. Evans calls me, oh. Chad Evans and I have been friends since we were two years old. He's out in Dallas, Texas, where, you know, I grew up for, for most of my life. And, uh, he says, man, I'd really like to automate my practice. That was a term I used, you know, automate your business. And so I came out, I had no idea what a DSO was by the way. And, um, he really wanted to serve the pediatric market, general dentist, but he had been working uh, with a lot of Medicaid. He served a mission in Chile, fluent in Spanish. So he's working with a lot of the Hispanic market. And when we built that first practice, we said, okay, we know what kids really want. And it's not dentistry, by the way. <laughs> We're yeah, not giving totally. out iPhones here, right? What? That's shocking. Yeah, I know. Very <laughs> disappointing. And so we said, do you know what they really want? They want Disneyland and Chuck E. Cheese. How do we bring that in? So we built Smile Magic with a movie theater play jam. And as a storybook, the x-ray room says, once upon a time, there was a chipmunk named Charlie. So we created this chipmunk mascot, right? We The boys wanted dragons. The girls wanted bunnies. Apparently, chipmunks are some kind of blend, you know, neutral. <laughs> 
world there. We put a we put a wizard hat on him, so he you know he was magical. Each operatory is a different page in the storybook. The Uh, kids are called back as prince or princess. They get gold coins along the way, right? It's all distract, distract, make it fun, make it part of it. And then at the end, you know, after they get treatment, gauze hanging out of their mouth, whatever, they sit on a little throne for your bravery and dentistry. We now crown you king or queen of smile magic. We clap, they get a sticker. Mom gets a sticker because mom's always freaking out. They get a balloon. Then we say, do you have any money? They have their gold coins. They get to spend their gold coins. Uh, They get a little something out of that treasure box and then uh, cookie and they leave. And the best part was um, they say, hey, mom, when do I get to come back? Right? Right. So when we first launched this, you know, lots of marketing, lots of thought going into it. We had a thousand patients the first three weeks. So we knew we had figured something out, you know, and wow. uh, so we, we said, okay, let's build a second one of these about, about six months later. And then a third one, um, about three months after that. So within nine months, we had three locations. Um, and if, if you can imagine seeing about a thousand patients a month and then recare yeah, was coming in, et cetera. So it was fast and furious, Again, I had no idea what a DSO was, Um, but I started hearing about this thing called DSO. And I went to Chad and I said, Chad, are we doing something evil here? Is there something wrong with what we're doing? (laughs) I feel like I'm just trying to help support you. And then I'm like, okay, here's what's really going on. You got an industry consolidating. We need to make sure that we truly live up to dental support organization. As long as you have that in the right order, then this is going to be awesome, right? So- I actually started a podcast because that's what I would do and called DSO <laughs> Secrets. And part of it was, honestly, Dino is like, I'm just going to tell everybody what I'm doing. And if I'm doing something wrong, they won't have any problem telling me, right? right. And if, if people hate DSOs, then they can come and find out what the secrets are. And if people are trying to figure it out, um, you know, this is over 10 years ago. So, so it's still, you know, kind of a controversial topic. I think a lot of that is, has gotten sorted out now, but people started to come and it was really helpful. You found that there was this group of people, mostly entrepreneurial dentists mm-hmm. who felt like they didn't have a home. <laughs> like where do right. I, go? I got some associations saying, if I get support, I'm evil and others right. are really big and they can't really help me. So started just kind of pulling that group together, started um, a Facebook page with that group, sharing best practices and then a dentist entrepreneur organization came along, Jake Poole running that. And it's a peer-to-peer mastermind for entrepreneur dentists trying to scale and grow. And um, I became partners in that. And then, um, and then about three months ago during COVID, ADSO, which is the Association of DSOs uh, globally, um, the, the founders and, and largest groups there came to me and said, hey, would you serve as, as president? And instead wow. of one year, we'd like you to do this for three years. You're uh, locking you in. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I was happy to do it. People always ask me like, what's your master plan? You know, you have a DSO Secrets podcast. You have your own DSO. We're, we're all around uh, Texas and then DEO and now president of ADSO. No master plan, by the way. My, my only thing was to help my buddy out. And I've just kind of thought of every dentist as, as my best friend, right? So it's like- yeah. What would you do with your best friend? You'd just say, hey, I think this is where things are going. How can I help? You know, Right. Uh, you know, and I like that because one of the things that I feel I try to do as well is just like, I'm, I'm just 
out for your own good. Like if I'm going to say, Hey, what, why would, why are you doing that? Or what about if you try this? It's, it's not because I have a plan. It's a plan. It's because it just makes sense in some way as an entrepreneur. I'm always trying to find new ways of, of testing my skills and testing what can be, be out, uh, possible. I want to go back a little bit because I love to unpack a little bit what you talked about. I love the idea that you actually thought about the client first. What do kids want? They don't want to go to the dentist. No one wants to go to the dentist. I, I, I want to go to your magic den, dental company because some smile magic, right? Because I hate going to the dentist. And if I can- We're, all, the, we're all two years, two years old, right? Right, exactly. My inner child is going, dang it. I wish I had that somewhere. Um, as you're bringing this on as, as coming on fast and furious, what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys faced as- really kind of doing something different because uh, quite frankly, a lot of people in every industry has this challenge, I think, but definitely in the dental and ortho industry, it's like what you're doing something different than everybody else is doing. You're going outside of the realm of what you're taking the blue pill instead of the red pill. Like what's right. up? So well, one of the things I had learned from, you know, being in a lot of groups that, that you're in, right. Yeah. Um, 25 K group, strategic coach, et cetera. When you study the best entrepreneurs, they steal from other industries. I mean, totally. think about it. The guys sitting in their PJs doing online marketing, sending us all those, um, you know, marketing blasts for vitamins or whatever it might be like they have mastered online, social media, Google ads, everything else. Yep. If you go and steal from them and bring it into dentistry, right? You just like wormhole, you know, 20 years. I know. Dentistry. It's like, wow, where'd you get this from? Well, right. nowhere. Just totally made it up myself. Right. And you can even take like their bad stuff and you're ahead, right? So right. I, I think that's been a big part. Now you hit on something right there at the beginning that I think is a competitive advantage and anybody can steal it, which is just think about the customer first. You That's know, it's right. so easy to get caught up in operational details because they're overwhelming and create stress. But the reality is the North Star for all of us should be who's the customer here. Now, yep. what's tricky about a DSO is your customer actually moves on you. So initially it's the patient but the patient actually becomes the customer of your customer. Because if you think about what a DSO is, the dentist is actually your customer. So as we were scaling and growing, bringing on associates, and I kind of argue, frankly, that as soon as a dentist hires an associate, they're a DSO because that associate's expecting you to support them, right? If you said, by right. the way, I'm providing you no support, you're not gonna get any help from the front desk, et cetera, you know. Right. It, it might be a mini DSO, it doesn't have all the LLC structure, but the mindset is actually exactly the same. It's just yeah. now scaling that up. So, you know, I think really focusing on the customer and then steal from other industries, uh, one of the challenges I think dentistry had coming in is up until, at least in Texas, up until like 1984, it was illegal to market. You know, can you imagine being in an industry, right, where the dental board would come out if your name was bigger than two inches, something was wrong, et cetera. Putting well, your ad in the in yellow pages, which obviously now is no great, but uh, no, no good. But back then it was like, you're a heretic. Why would you do that? Yeah. So, you know, Obviously, we're past that, but to change the culture and mindset, imagine other industries that, you know, were driving marketing and figuring it out and what's the best language and how do you do this? They have a head start on us. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, 1995, this little thing called the internet comes out. And by 2007, this thing called the iPhone comes out, right? So marketing now gets weaponized 
And all the other wants that are out there get weaponized with technology and marketing capability. And we kind of sat back and said, well, we're in need. We don't need to market. People just need us. They all have teeth. And now all this marketing starts coming out and they're able to actually change your mind to say, you don't actually need that. You need to finish this Candy Crush game. You need to watch this Netflix, right? And we start getting crowded out. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges we're going to have to figure out is how do we step into the customer more, meet them where they're at and over in order to compete, not against other dentists. That's actually not at all our problem is to compete against everything else that wants to take our discretionary time and dollars. Well, I always say to my clients, look, if you are worried about competition it's because you really don't understand who your ideal client is and you don't understand how to market to them because you could literally take all the people in your town. Okay. If you live in a little tiny town with 500 people, this doesn't apply to you. But for most people that are listening to the show, if you live in any town in America and you've got other dentists or orthodontists in your, or whatever it is, could be a chiropractor, could be a veterinarian. There's enough people in your town that you could be filling your chairs all day long, doing the thousands of people a month uh, if you actually knew who, how to market to people. The other thing that I love that you talked about was I use the phrase that there's never been huge shift in any industry from within the industry. They always need to look outside the industry. You can go back to Ford and what he did with the cars. You can go back to drive-ins and how we got drive-ins. Like there are so many examples of that. Steve Jobs is a great example, as you mentioned, of what they did, especially for the music industry, because they weren't in the music industry. They saw it a little clearer of what could possibly happen. And so you being able to share that information as an entrepreneur, have that entrepreneur mindset is a huge benefit to people. Absolutely. I think it's great. Well, and I think, I I think something that goes along with that is, you know, I I told you before the show, biggest competitive advantage that I had starting off as a humble dentist, right? I had this best friend who said, Hey, listen, there's things I don't know. I'd really like some help and support. It really established it. I think all of us, you know, have that, that opportunity to say, okay, what do we know? What do we not know? But let's say that the healthcare industry as a whole, needs to have that level of humility. I mean, I went in, I've got two 16 year old sons. We go to do physicals. They hand me a stack of paper this big and they say, Hey, you know, Dylan hasn't been here before. You'll need to fill this out. Dallin has been here before. Hand me the exact same stack of paper. Of course, you all know the routine, right? I fill it out, name, address, blah, blah, blah. Fill it out, flip the page. What's it say at the top name, name address, address, et cetera. Right. And, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? Well, people just start opting out. That's why we have all these ER clinics, et cetera, as people just start saying, you know what? I'm just going to wait until it's bad enough because it's so easy to buy something on Amazon and so hard to interact with you. So we've got this cognitive dissonance getting created and we're going to have to step into it. And I think to your point, if we do, sky's the limit. I mean, we only have 35, 45% penetration rate within dentistry. That means, you know, 55% of people aren't coming to the dentist on a regular basis. Cell phones, by the way, is 125%. We probably won't ever get to that level. Right. But if we could get to 70%, we'd be doubling the entire industry. You know, for most, for most of these guys getting an extra 20% would be great. Right. Like, it's not, and that's where I think that the thinking has to change is one of the reasons why I do this show talking about best practices. It's not about like, oh, look how awesome we are. It's, oh, we tried this. This is another way to look at something. Here's another viewpoint. 
So maybe we can incorporate that into our business and to help have that entrepreneur mindset there. You mentioned a moment ago about having support. I would love to talk a little bit about the support that you designed into your DSO for these doctors. I, I personally feel that there are some doctors I've talked to who are worried about the DSO factor and obviously DSOs are growing inside the ortho industry as well as the dental industry of the of abandonment issue, right? I think all of us are little kids just trying to heal wounds from our past, right? And so abandonment is a, is a challenge. And so worried that here I've built up this business, I've went to school, I've done, I've taken the risk and now I'm gonna let somebody else take over things and now I'm just kind of a, an employee of theirs. What support do you give to them to make them actually feel no? You're part of this family. Yeah. So we're really big on dental support organization. And I think, you know, I repeat that within our group all the time where Uh others might say, oh, isn't that the, you know, isn't that evil or something? To me, it's like the best roadmap ever because support is always playing second fiddle right? Support is always saying, where do you want to go? How do I help you get there? It's that Sherpa type approach, yeah. right? They don't, they don't grab the bags and then run off. You know, they, yeah. they grab the bags, carry them, but they're directionally going where you want to go. So I think it's here. Here's the biggest thing I would tell dentists. You're way more in control than you're giving credit to. Like don't play victim when you're not actually a victim in this, yeah. right? You control the industry, right? Yeah. I've never figured out how to do dentistry without a dentist. I don't care how many YouTube videos my CFO or COO might watch, right? You need dentists to pull this off, which means you're the, at, at minimum, the customer. Right. And probably the owner as well. You're probably owning the practices and I think what, 46, 47 states, you have to own the practice, right? Yeah. And so you've got a lot more control. I, I wouldn't overly worry. I'd more like step into it, right? I'd more like say, hey, here's where I want to go. Here's where I want to be. And I think you'll realize very quickly that you are in control and you are the boss here. Um, One of the things that I find kind of going along with that, Dino, is a lot of people think that what's happening with DSOs is that private equity money is coming in and it's gobbling up. Right. I've I've heard that. Yeah. You've heard that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's actually not possible because what really has to happen is a dentist has to have a vision that they want to serve more patients. And they say, in order to do that, I'm going to need a bigger team. Yeah. And that's where every entrepreneur who goes executive goes to is in order to accomplish this vision, I'm going to need a bigger team. And at some point, capital becomes a constraint, right? It's just not, you just don't have unlimited access to money. At least I don't. And so you go to banks, banks can only go so far. And eventually you bring in private equity. They're nothing more than an investor or a bank, right? right. But they are, they are beholden to the dentists, you know, they are beholden to, to whoever the dentist too says, Hey, this is my leadership team. I'm going to have them, them run this. As soon as, if all the dentists walked out of the dental practices or whatever, right. You know, some people say, yeah, but those who hold the gold, you know, make the rules and PE is going to come in there and they're going to say you have to do this, that and the other. Do you know who really has the gold is those who produce revenue, those who have a relationship with the customer. So the dentists are producing a lot more and have a lot more power. 
So anyway, it's, it's all just mindset, right? Well, it's- absolutely it is. And that's one of the biggest challenges with a lot of this is it all starts with how you think about things and how you're going to position yourself. I love the point of what's your vision of how many people you want to serve, because a lot of the dentists or the honest I talk to got into it because they, they, they love serving people. They love being able to change their life through their, their oral health, if you will. Um, and it sounds like you're looking at more of a collaborative conversation as opposed to a, you know, destructive or a takeover type situation. And I think it doesn't, it doesn't actually work. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I've seen being ADSO president, being DEO. First of all, DEO has a great model called the DEO growth model. And in the beginning, uh, in the middle of it is vision, right? So it's like, if you want to have one practice and like kill it and taking care of patients with that one practice, how do you do that? Right. But there is, there's something you need to do to make that happen. And you hit on the big one is like, you got to get clear on who your patient is and who that avatar is and, and go make sure everything aligns with that. We did that in pediatric. You can do that in geriatric. You can do that with moms. You can do that with dads, wherever you want to go. So that has to be number one. But the other thing I tell you is that the worst DSOs have tended to be ran by dentists because not because they're bad business people, but because they forget that they're a DSO and they start trying to control the other dentists, right? The business guys, if we try to control the dentist, guess what they say? Get out of my house. (laughs) You're you're just, you're just gone. So uh, again, I would say this is only going, this industry as a whole is only going to be as good, as bad as the dentist decide it to be. We can influence, support, help, et cetera. But at the end of the day, my whole team is completely useless the day that Dr. Evans, Dr. Copeland, and, you know, the 70 other dentists we support say, hey, we don't want you anymore. Okay, then I'm gone. That's why they're my most important customer. Well, I love that idea because um, when you talk about having the vision and how far they want to go and it gets to a certain point to where they're going to run out of revenue or even... Look, I think revenue, yes, is definitely something that can get, uh, they can run out of, but imagination, uh, having ideas, like as you did with your first offices of saying, hey, let's make this more like a, a fairyland or a fairy tale book. Um, we go back to somebody that you and I both know with the Dan Sullivan model of the who, not how, right? Of like, they're, they don't think this. They think, how can I generate more revenue? How can I expand my business? How can I scale, which ultimately, you only have so much time and so many days that you can scale or you can work. And so not thinking of the who can help me get to that goal, that ultimate vision I want. And the more I add, more people I add, as you said, to the team, the better it will be to actually ultimately see that vision come through. And, and I think that's a big problem right there. A lot of people don't know what their vision is, or at least they're not committed to the vision of what it is because they don't they don't have this conversation in school. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're rugged individualists. They probably read too much on Steve Jobs' books of saying, hey, you just go in, tell everyone what to do, what and to it do. all works out, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and they don't realize it's actually a very collaborative approach. Anyone who's been successful has been in a team environment. They didn't accomplish it by themselves. There was a give and take on like being in charge, but not in control of certain things. You know, and what Chad says, what Dr. Evans always tells other dentists who are like, okay, how do I do this? is he said mindset wise he started off and he thought you know as I was talking with him he goes okay so I've been doing all this schooling while I was doing that really learning clinical care best I could 
some other schmo was over there learning finance and some other one was doing marketing. Now they might've been doing it, you know, in an educational environment, they might've been doing it entrepreneurially, whatever it is, but they had a passion. What would happen, Chad's asked himself, if I put them all around me and said, here, you're in charge of this, not me. Right. So I was like, it's a brilliant mindset that I think every great entrepreneur uses to be able to impact more people. Well, if you think about it, uh, a lot of people are worried about the, you know, the mail in uh, orthodontics or the liners and stuff like that. The, the smile direct clubs and things, Look, all of these companies have specific departments on marketing, specific departments on customer service, and they have huge budgets that you are never going to match. So having more minds to help you understand how you can maximize your marketing, maximize your uh, HR department is exactly what it sounds like you guys are creating here and the support of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we just got to be live with the reality that the future is coming, whether we like it or not. You know, I mean, when when small shops were mad about Walmart they weren't right. even thinking that Amazon was coming next. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and so we just have to start, you know, realize we live in a world of technology. We live in a world of the future. And really what drives this is just customer demand. And yes. so, you know, we can be mad at Smile Direct Club until we realize actually as a customer, I really want my Amazon stuff to come in two days too, right? And so, so and, and here's the interesting, I mean, Smile Direct Club, I won't, I won't try to defend them, but- they only represent 0.1% of the market. In fact, right. what's really happening with that, if you look at that model, is we're getting a halo effect. Yes. Because I know that they have, and I've, I've chatted with them, they have about 60 million people that come to their website and 47 million of them want to go see a dentist directly. So That's right. I love them spending money. On uh, 100%. And Using now they're coming back and actually For your to marketing. Help. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Use their budget for their marketing. See them as an opportunity. I, I have this conversation a lot. I think I think that conversation is actually getting more normal that people are realizing, okay, we have a maybe we have a, a moral or an ethical problem with it. And we look at it going, okay, well, let them spend the money on those advertising because awareness is helping me and my business if I actually use it properly. Um, it also helps us look at what are the customers demanding. And I think customer demand will always trump any other new shiny thing. If you, let's go all the way back to your first office there where you're giving them an experience that is unlike anyone else. So therefore you weren't getting a thousand people in your office just because that doctor was really good at what he's doing, right? And that's where a lot of people get that fallacy of, of, oh, if I'm just really good, then words will spread and people will come to us. No, you have to give, because you're just a commodity. You created, you decommoditized what you guys do by giving an experience. Anybody can go to an amusement park or they can go to Disneyland. And there's two totally different things. They still get on rides. They still get to be able to get gross food, pay way too much for things, but it's the experience. And that customer experience will trump everything every time. Yeah, it's exactly right. What we say in, in our company is, the customer is only an expert on one thing, and that is how they felt. 
And this is really disappointing, by the way, when you're a technician and an expert in anything, (laughs) whether you're fixing cars or fixing teeth, totally. because the reality is no one actually appreciates what a great job you're doing. You, so you, you rely on the clinical team to make sure you have clinical excellence, Mm -hmm. but the reality is when they walk out the door, they're going to remember how everyone treated them and how they felt because yep. they don't know how to say, oh, the margins are just so incredible. <laughs> you know, you've got to yeah. go there because of this. But what they will say is, Susie is so friendly. You know, yes. Dr. Evans, I mean, he just listened to what I was saying and blah, 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 blah. And I really felt like he cared about me, right? We, we all have had that experience. And whether that's we like right. it or not, that's where 99.99% of the judgment is happening by our customers. Oh, 100%. And, and that whole thing, the doctor cared about me. I've been doing this thing lately with my clients of really kind of coaching them to take a pause in the middle of your exam, take a pause in the middle of the moment you have with them and, and just be able to look at them and say, you know what, let me tell you why your case is important to me. Like that alone, putting the emphasis on, I see you, I hear you and what you say matters to me is crucial. And I, I feel like that is something that is, is really growing more of an understanding inside of the industry that people are looking for more of that help. And through understanding a, a, you know, dentist entrepreneur organization, understanding that we can reach out to other places where we can learn the skills of not just what is your EBITDA and how do you look at your, you know, if anybody's embezzling against you, it's really about how do I become a, a great practice owner? And the, the great benefit of that, I believe, and it's really kind of the foundation of why I do what I do is that you as a business owner, the tip of the spear in this industry, which I believe are, you know, you are the greatest asset inside of your business. And so you will actually feel better. You'll love what you do more. There's no secret. I've talked about it many times on the show. Everybody in this industry knows with the suicide rates, with the depression rates, with the stress-related cardiovascular disease as being the number one related cause of death for a dentist, we need more support to help us look at things a little differently so we can be happy. We, as the tip of the spirits, we owners can have less stress, be more relaxed, love going to work, lo- knowing people are loving to come to see us. I think that's a huge benefit that you can offer. Yeah, them. I love I love you using that word support because one of the negative things I think about the industry kind of attacking DSOs initially was that it actually told dentists, if you get support, you're not part of our tribe anymore. Oh, and so we'll, how, how damaging that is, right? Yeah. So we definitely have to say, hey, industry, allow people to get as much support as they want, you yes. know? And if they want it, let them go get it. Now, people always ask me all the time, Emmett, do you think DSOs are the, you know, are the future and the only way that I can be successful as a dentist? Absolutely not. Right. The most important thing is that you can take care of the customers in your local community. Because let me tell you something patients also don't know. They have no clue how your back office works. <laughs> you know, so right. they, they don't say, I love going to Smile Magic because it's supported by community dental partners, which ensures that their technology is up, you know, and right. they take care of their compliance and billing. Product. They don't know any of that stuff. What they do know is the dentists feel like they have time with them, right? Mm-hmm. So, so again, just make sure you have enough support to take care of your customer. One of the things I noticed is when I ask dentists, hey, who's your patient avatar? Do you know how they usually answer? They say, I'm a bread and butter dentist. So that's how far we have to go as an industry is we don't know really how to even talk about customers. We know how to talk about 
our capability, our technical right. capability. So, you know, See, there's I, some work I, I to do. I get the here. everyone. Like I get well, everyone. everyone. Any, anybody yeah, who wants to, who wants healthy healthy teeth or anybody yeah. who wants straight teeth. Well, then you're you have an uphill battle there, buddy. Uh, yeah. I'll end the I'll end with this little uh, story. I remember years ago, I tell the story at one of my uh, lectures every once in a while about I saw a, a female dentist who was opening up a new it was a news report and she was opening up a new office and they were doing a news report on her because she had about a month to go before she opened but she already had two to three months full bookings and the dental and the news report was like how are you doing this you're brand new in the city we've never seen you before and she said oh well every night for the past two months i have held a wine and cheese night for all the ladies in the area. And I supplied the wine and cheese and let them come into my office and they could see it getting built. And I offered free wine and cheese. And what mom doesn't want free wine and cheese on a Friday or Saturday night. And that's how she built. She knew who her avatar was. She totally. exactly knew who it was. And, that, and she had a good PR person because the news would have never known unless that's she actually right. reached exactly. out. And, she understood and it. Yeah. She had to get the word out there for sure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. brilliant. Well, you, I think, provide an amazing service. I'm so grateful that you were able to share that with us and share kind of your journey on this show. And I know that there are people who, as I did, write down some notes about what they need to focus on and how they can receive the help and support that they need. And I, I really like that you mentioned that. It's just about find that support, find the support groups that are going to push you, that are going to support, to, to, to give you ideas and and new opportunities that maybe you're not seeing because they're not standing in your jar. Do you feel like that's part of since you're not an actual dentist and you've been in the industry and stuff like that uh, for so long, do you feel like that's part of your magic is being able to see things that maybe they're not able to see? Yeah, I think I came in and I had the benefit of, you know, uh, 15 years as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. trying to be a rugged individualist, going through coaching, realizing that you need a team. So I already had that under my belt, which was mm -hmm. super helpful. Mm -hmm. And then being able to not have the, the clinical weight on top of me, but sure. know that my role was to support in that. Mm -hmm. I had the free, you know, brain cells, so to speak, to say, okay, I got to take care of this marketing, IT, finance, boom, 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 all these different things, compliance, billing processes, HR components. So, you know, I was able to give clinical to clinical, let them develop that however they wanted. And then I was able to just constantly be focusing on how do we take care of our associates better? And of course they want patients. So how do we get more patients right. for them? Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I, I, I think that's great. And I think having somebody like you, and people's corner is really important. I mean, whether they join a DSO or not, I think just being able to reach out, I love your dental uh, DSO secrets, right? You said that's on Facebook. People can join that. It's like, a great place to start. Like, even if you don't yeah. plan on doing a DSO from an entity structure, like yeah. go steal the mindsets that they're taking, Absolutely. right? Because they're, they're trying to figure out how to solve customer problems, employee problems, all of those things. So yeah, there's a Facebook page with the same name. There's a podcast, you know, yeah. you can go pretty deep. We've got CFOs on there too, kind of talking through nice. stuff. So you can really learn the details of the industry. Uh, through great. DSO Secrets. The other place I'd suggest is check out Dentist Entrepreneur Organization. That yeah. one's peer-to-peer, -peer, everywhere from one location up to 50 locations. So they've got different groups that you can be a part of and kind of decide, okay, what is my vision? And then get the resources you need. So that one's nice. ADSO, you know, that association, if you're really looking at doing a DSO, um, they're definitely leading the way. And then, you know, check out our DSO, Community Dental Partners. And uh, 
happy to talk to anyone who's, who just needs help. You're still are my you, best friends out there. <laughs> you, you mentioned that you are like in the Texas, are you, are you outside of Texas too? Are you in different, how many States are you guys in? Yeah. So right now we've got uh, over 60 locations just in Texas, um, wow. but we've had about 200 locations reach out to us over the last nine months. Um, we started at what we call an open source DSO. We actually give dentists access to all of our back office. Oh. Because Dennis would say, man, I wish I had your CFO. I wish I had your, you know, and we give it to him for free and we develop out a relationship. So anyway, we just started that. That's the national dental partner um, bridge. And um, we hadn't actually officially launched it. I guess I am right here on your, nice. um, but word of mouth has gotten out. And so those are all over um, the country that awesome. we are supporting. Well, congratulations on the growth and what you're doing and, I really appreciate that. You really obviously seem to, you've talked a lot about how you guys care about the growth of this industry and growth of the doctors uh, in particular, that you're looking at them as the tip of the spear, as the most important uh, asset in their business and, and helping them become that. And I just appreciate you sharing this time with us and, and, and giving us all this great information. Well, the future is bright. Let me just say right. dentists, ADSO, we are, we are pushing so dentists can do diagnostic testing, right? We don't want to go the way of primary care. We're actually standing in their shoes, to be honest. We're the largest healthcare provider seeing the public. Um, mm -hmm. you know, wow. so, so what do we want to do with it now? Do we want to be able to give vaccines out? Do we, what do we want to do? What should we do, uh, in the dentist dental industry? So I think we can think bigger. I think again, let's step into this and actually lead. I mean, healthcare starts with the mouth, right? It starts with a smile. And then why not just lead the entire dental uh, healthcare industry? Yeah. You know, why not have dentistry? You know, if healthcare starts with the mouth, healthcare starts with a smile. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just step into this and we just say, hey, guys, we're seeing the public more than anyone else. Could you imagine during COVID if we had been able to just do the testing rather than get shut down? Right. <laughs> yep. What difference would have happened in America? So we just got it. We've got to lead. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that I talked about at the beginning of COVID was, you know, the reassurance. Just let people, you know, not, everybody's talking about sterilization. That's, that's what you do. You're just ninjas at it. They just don't know how good you are because you don't say, hey, look, we're sterilizing this right now. Right. right. Whereas now that's what they want to hear, but you've already done that. So it's nothing new to you. So I, I totally agree. I think that's, that's a great. No transmissions, by the way, um, between a healthcare provider and dentistry and a patient so far. And this is globally. I just had a conference with uh, DSOs in China, uh, Europe, Australia, and South uh, America. And same result. I mean, after really? a, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible to see that even globally, we've got great sterilization. I think the AIDS epidemic actually helped us um, because yeah. that was supposed to aerosol as well. And we just... Right. We have great processes. I hope that that uh, helps out with potential uh, continued shutdowns. I know like Europe is having some shutdowns going on. And I was just on my mastermind group last night. They were talking about um, uh, Canada's got a lot of hotspots going on and people are worried about that. I, I really hope that the when, when and if that does happen again, there are shutdowns that people still look at it and go, okay, but this industry ortho dental they are exempt from that because they have those stats to show they are being more than cautious uh and and so i hope that helps out just a lot. so you know we're doing that work here we've we've been with the dental surgeon general um 
at Tim Ricks and he is very supportive. I was on with CDC, awesome. FDA, OSHA, and all of the other dental associations. And, and in fact, they've apologized for how they have treated us. And nice. we are pushing... We are pushing hard at ADSO. You know, we got the HSS, um, uh, HHS uh, funds to all dentists. So if you haven't gotten that grant, by the way, you should have uh, ADSO push that. But yeah, we're doing a lot to say never again, never nice. again. Love it. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, if a, if a dentist, by the way, wants to shut down, absolutely, they should be able to. But right. that needs to be left up to the provider. It's personal choice. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, I love it. Thank you, Emmett, for the amazing uh, information you gave us. We are at the part of our show where we do our rapid fire six questions that we ask everybody. Are you ready and willing to play? All right, let's do it. All right. So what's the most expensive thing that you feel private practice owners are missing inside their practice? All right. You've already hit on this, but I think we need to make more investment into identifying our customer and our patient avatar. And it just feels too soft and we just don't make the investment there. You know, is it the most expensive? It's probably the most expensive because, because we're not doing it. We're losing a lot of money. hundred percent. Yeah. It might be a soft, a soft subject, but gets hard results. And that's, what's really important. Uh, all right. I'm a big fan of books. I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books. What is a book that you feel every private practice owner should be reading? All right. So I'm going to have to give two on this one. One's just cool. too hard. But uh, The Goal by Eli Goldratt. It's an old book. It's all about theory of constraints. It's like the best on prioritization because if you really think about what we're always trying to solve, it's like there's a lot of things we could be doing in a practice. What should we be doing that would have the highest impact? Eli uh, Goldratt was like the master of that. And it's one of those books. It's like a story. You can, you can read it. And the oh, other cool. one's Radical Candor, um, which I love that by um, Kim Scott. And she used to work for Steve Jobs and then she went and worked for Google and she just does a great job on, okay, what are the different leadership communication styles? And she has it all quadranted out. So it's really helpful. And having worked for companies of that level, she's really blunt and straightforward on how to be a better leader within an organizational structure. So anyway, those have been super helpful. What's that? Any relation to you? No, no, that would be awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I love books. Those are two that I haven't heard of. So I will definitely be uh, getting those as well. So speaking of books in my book, the, Pro the Practice Rx, I focus on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see as you're talking to all these guys who are even thinking about going to DSOs, what do you see as their biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? So there's a lot more work we need to be doing around project management processes. First of all, culture is number one. So I'm just going to assume you've nailed that in the book. But if, if I'm kind of doing an add-on to some of what you're saying here, um, so many teams are in an ADD process, especially having just come out of crisis mode. You know, yeah. another great author is Patrick Lencioni, and he yeah. has politics, silos, and turf wars. And he says, hey, when there's a crisis, everyone's clear. But when there's a lot of things you can do, it's not as clear. We've got to have project management processes so we're not overwhelming our team. And when we come up with our brilliant ideas, which I always do on my whiteboard, we realize that coming up with the idea is not the same as executing on it. And we have to have a way for team members to say, Emmett, that's really cool. Where does that fall in these other 20 things you've told me? That's right. So, anyway, lots of work to be done. 
Absolutely. All right. So we talked about how at least listeners can go to the different uh, groups. Is there a way people can reach out to you specifically? Yeah, I'd go on DSO uh, Secrets Facebook page um, and you can, you know, private message me uh, there on Facebook and uh, with, within that group. That's by far the, the easiest way to Are get Are you also me. on like Instagram or LinkedIn or any of those? On other Instagram. Ones? Yeah. So it's Emmett, uh, E-M-M-E-T. I always say my parents spelt it wrong. So it's E-M-M-E-T uh, dot Scott on uh, Instagram. Yeah, my parents spelt my name wrong too. It's not Brian. So it's uh, <laughs> Dino in the seventies. Come on now. Okay. Uh, the best advice you've ever received in life or in business. Okay. Here's a couple of them. N- number one is like, um, you got to play the long game, right? Wow. So too often, whether it's DSOs or end of, we, we get too caught up in like the frenzy and like, Oh, I want to sell my practice for this much. Let's roll up these practices. Let's no, no, no. You're just going to build crap. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, Play for the long game. Don't try to time anything. Just build a quality product, right? Now, you have to know this is one. uh, Here's the saying my dad always gave me. There's people you like and there's people you don't know. So, I mean, just always giving people the benefit of the doubt um, and then learn how to lead them. A lot of times we're frustrated with people because we just don't have the capability to lead them. And I kind of use that as like, okay, what do I need to learn to get to the next level? Um, and people aren't broken in companies. Usually the systems are. So typically when I have a individual who isn't performing, I try to keep them as long as I can and just build systems like crazy underneath them. Because mm. even if they don't make it, I built some awesome systems. I always say McDonald's has a bunch of 16 year olds thinking about their girlfriend cooking raw meat and not killing us. That's all systems. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, all systems. that's, that's, that's not great hamburger makers back there. You know, that's so. absolutely true. That's so funny. Uh, I think you're, you're hundred percent correct on that. I love it. All right. The last question is what's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice. Okay, I'm going to definitely go with masterminds on this one. I, you know, I mentioned dentist entrepreneur organization, you know, whatever you find, I would say this, make sure that it's abundance mindseted group. There's a lot of social media that's scarcity mindseted. Mm -hmm. If you hear a lot of fear, if you hear a lot of we're all going to die, if you hear a lot of they're evil, it's not going to prep you to be successful. So, you know, they always say you're the average of the five people you hang out with. That includes your media, right? So, I try to get in rooms and I know you follow the same principles, Dino. It's like, I got to get in rooms where there's people thinking about the future and they're excited about it. Yeah. So anyway, the human mind's the only natural resource on earth, right? So oil was just crap that stuck to a camel's foot until the human (laughs) mind said, Hey, there's something we can do with this. So I think you just really want to protect your own mind and, uh, and put yourself in a place where, you know, it's always succeeding. Well, I agree with you. I, I love that. I think uh, one of the best resources people can find is a mastermind that fits with them, gives them positivity. I think there's, yes, a lot of resources out there, study clubs, stuff like that. But if they're not, not only being positive and, and looking towards the future, setting goals, looking at some sort of uh, intentionality, also some accountability, then it's really a waste of your time. It's just going back to school again, where they taught you nothing other than rinse and repeat. And so I love it. I think that's great. Well, I mean, it's been an amazing uh, journey with you through this last uh, 45 minutes. And I just want to thank you again for being a part of it and sharing your wisdom and opportunities for all of these doctors that are listening with us. 
Yeah. Thank you, Dino, for everything you're doing for the industry. Appreciate your masterminds and your coaching and, and yeah. this podcast. So it's great to have resources for each of us. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you again for being there. You're very welcome. And uh, for everybody listening, I want to give a big shout out to all of you as well, because because of you that we are actually growing this podcast and we're sharing this information and we get to have amazing guests like Emmett on. So please reach out to him, check him out, go to the DSO Secrets uh, Facebook page. Just ask the question, see what's possible for you and your industry. Just listen to other people and get a new mindset of how you can run your business. That's how you're going to grow, especially in a time like now where there is uncertainty and concern about the future. I believe, as Emmett said a moment ago, that the future is bright and we have a lot of great opportunities in front of us. And I'm excited about it as well. So thank you again, everybody, for being here on the Propreneur Podcast. Again, as always, our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.